0: One interesting uh, post I put up today was a, not today a few days ago about training intent now mm. this this was triggered by by a client that I noticed wasn't performing ideally and uh, we can start seeing her. RP was going a bit backwards from session to session even though we're in quite a low volume low intensity program so there's zero need to be to be heading backwards and it seems to be quite common um, with um, or with everyone really mm. uh, that the intent of our lifting um, is a difficult thing to overcome generally to like overthinking or or yeah you know, paralysis by analysis um, fiddling around too much and not treating the bar with I would call it respect respect yeah so um, what what it can go
1: both ways then right so like there are some people who overanalyze mm-hmm. and overthink the lift mm-hmm. and then there are other people who don't give enough attention at all are not going through the cues, or, or just can't be bothered you know the people who rock up to the bar like a oh, fuck
0: you know so uh, to put this put this in perspective when we're looking at the psychology of an individual we're starting um on the far left side as someone who is laid back very laid back right and on the complete other opposite end the most extreme will be someone who is hysterical and in between are stages such as like from coming from very laid back to or someone or someone worse than laid back or more on the spectrum on laid back is pretty much falling asleep right. then we come up to being someone who's laid back and then we move up to someone who's slightly aroused so, I mean, performing performing optimally right then on the opposite end we have if we go start to go beyond that arousal spectrum we move to being anxious to panic to hysterical now we all naturally sit on this spectrum somewhere and we need to move generally move our psychology to where it is optimal for performance so if we're too far laid back we need to teach ourselves to 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 focus up but get a bit more tunnel vision get a little bit more height to Mm. increase arousal to then increase performance and the opposite spectrum if you have someone who is anxious then we need to learn to how to calm them down, um, clear their mind, how to stop overanalyzing and overthinking, or how to ru- or stop rushing into a set. So these people need to be more purposeful compared to other people who may need to get a little bit more aggression. So I've observed this with with velocity. So velocity is a measure of neural output or neural drive. Yeah. yeah. And you can see its effect on performance instantaneously and gives you this and gives you instant feedback on that. So, and the biggest thing that influences velocity I found at working working loads is uh, intent, training intent. So even more so, well, obviously technique plays a very, very big role. The secondary function then is psychology. Right. So especially when we're focusing on building our strength up obviously in the early stages when we're trying to build technique the focus is technique other than that once if you find someone who requires more arousal if they coming in and just lifting just lifting the weight with no purpose other than just lifting you know they'll still hit they'll still hit their numbers mm. but we'll generally see a drop off in velocity it won't be within the ideal ranges that we initially tested at so this means we end up having a, uh, a disparity with the ideal velocity with the load we're trying to lift. So this can carry over to not lifting within our maximal threshold of that load, right? which means reduced kilowatts of power towards mm-hmm. the, the muscle, which means less intramuscular tension built through the muscle. which it's just then less likely to to build the motor units required to maximize contraction stimulus happens right near the end end range of the power of our power output right so even if we lift at 80% yes we're not at our maximal load but we need to lift at maximal velocities in this right so 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 what you
1: what you're saying there is that basically two lifters or the same lifter could um, go through the same program hit the same weights throughout the training but the person with the better intent at, who would therefore work at the correct velocities at the higher end of the velocities mm. would actually make more gains across yeah, even though on paper they've lifted the same amount right?
0: Yes so yeah on paper they'll lift the exact same amount mm. but the stimulus will be greater for an individual who who lifts much higher at that thresh, or much closer to that threshold. Yeah. um So, regardless of them measuring or not, people should have this have should have this intent and start to know this feel and, you, and start to know how this feels. You can use this subjectively with RPE as well. I mean, we have got to try and make these weights feel like a lighter RPE. So, if something feels like a nine, how do you make it feel like an eight or a seven? Yeah. So, um, but with velocity, I, I have been able to measure on both ends of the spectrum. So most, um, so on the other opposite end, we have found some people require, they found they lived better when they decided to calm down or had less people around them. So people with Mm. hype do better with people around them. Right. So I was about to ask that, do you Mm. find that team training mitigates a lot of
1: this? So it's different for different people. Some people need to train, well, don't need to train alone, but that would benefit them. but
0: that builds the environment to train for them to train optimally yeah. so some a lot of people feed off off that so just on general psychology of introverts and extroverts that we we're talking about earlier is that extroverts get energy from mm. social interactions yep. where introverts lose lose energy
1: i'm definitely an introvert
0: um but in in cases when we're trying to hype arousal um, it can be different in that situation. So, in some lifts, I do do better with people, better with people around, mm. and some lifts uh, it doesn't doesn't overly bother me. S- essentially, for me, I require more hype in a deadlift than I do in a squat and bench press.
1: Interesting. So it varies mm. lift to lift. So so how do you, how do you how do you mitigate that if you've got somebody who needs the hype turned down? How do you deal with that at competition? Because obviously the competition environment is all eyes are on the platform, music Mm. going, announcer. To not get
0: caught up, to not get caught up in hype rituals. Right. Okay. Um, so this is like the, the, the screaming, the slapping, the, the ammonia, (laughs) the, um, the hyper caffeine intake and, um, literally meditative exercises that can bring down that arousal because it's already there. Mm. All right. So they don't have to do much to be in an ideal range. And essentially they're most spending, should be spending most of their time calming down. Now it can get, you can get very, it can get very hyper tuned for some individuals Mm. where they require a level of hype, um, and then have to tune it back a little bit. So, um, a lot, of the, a lot of my female clients is that we end, up, we end up hyping them hyping them up a bit. And then before they get to the bar, I actually teach them to then slow back down, breathe. So they have the, they have the adrenaline pumping, but they're more focused. And that f- tends to bring them back in a really ideal range. Now, this takes time to work out what it is. Right. So I was going to say, to have that level of specificity, so you're not just doing it
1: based on lift and based on person. You're doing it based on moment within within the actual lifting process from yeah. walking up to the bar It can get
0: it gets it can get as fine tuned as looking at every sequence of the lift from the moment they have decided to go and start their set to, to, to the end. So when do they put on their belt when do they chalk? What are they thinking about when they're or how they how they apply the chalk to their hands. So, you know, when I'm in that hype I am quite aggressively applying my chalk. Um, because that starts to build the sequence in the brain mm. to tell you that you're getting ready to do some sort of some sort of intensity. So these are start. This starts the mental cues, and if you've done this process enough times, you've trained your brain to anticipate what mm. is going to happen, and so. Um, just like in any situ- situation, let's take an evolutionary perspective. If you know, can if we start doing certain th- certain things in, in, in the wild that we know are going to trigger responses that could heighten uh, an adrenaline response, yeah. such as you know, trying to like in a hunting situation. Mm. The, the, the situation is very similar. Very similar here is that we're trying to create the fi- the, the 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 fight or flight response, right? Yeah, yeah, um, and manipulate. Manipulate that essentially. So the sequences we take to the bar also matters. So we even notice to the point how long it takes someone to go through their sequence. If uh, even how they hold the bar. So if they hold in a sequence to say I go I go un- underhand over overhand over, then I readjust the grip. Once twist lift. Now if I f- do uh, if I add a fourth sequence to my hand hand because I feel my grip is off the lift will not move nowhere near as well it'll instantly drop because i've also created a level of doubt and doesn't work within the sequence i've trained my brain to do yeah so i so i, so I follow up
1: i usually feel it in the squat sometimes mm. sometimes i'll come off the rack i'll be ready i'll be, re- <laughs> be ready to go into my first rep mm. and and then i'll have to rearrange my feet again it just it just feels slightly off and then the whole set's ruined yeah. So so in that situation do you do you recommend re-racking starting again
0: so no, no, you should you should commit. You should learn to commit. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's two exercises I do with this. So there's, exercise number one is visualization exercises. Yep. So visualize what you're going to do. Now, not just like thinking about what you're doing, but actually visualize every single step that you're going to take and how that step's going to feel, what cues are you going to use and how that's going to feel under the bar. Now, when, uh, w- once you've achieved that, then do the lift right right and then your brain will go through that sequence so when you do visualize you have to visualize exactly how you're going to do it under the bar once you get under the bar you can also create points of no return so meaning that once you've taken your breath in or you've set your hips or you grab the bar you say you you go no matter what so you don't let the thinking interrupt the pattern because the movement pattern doesn't start from just the movement the movement pattern the preparation for the movement to, to be executed well is within the entire ritual mm, okay. itself yeah. and so we start to again once you've touched the bar you don't stop so you'll see people if you watch some people who are experts at this and um, you watch every single deadlift they've ever posted or overhead press or bench press or whatever it is yeah. their sequence are exactly the same yeah, 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 no yeah. matter what like freakishly the same, even to the point how they might have their little idiosyncrasies of like how they like. You know, people have a little foot twist before they squat. They mm. will always do it. It's these rituals that allows them to lift. If they didn't do that, there it would it would it would throw them off. They would still get the lift, but these guys are trying to lift at their most ideal level of performance.
1: Yeah. So I know this 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 actually comes across a lot of sports, um, especially when. I mean the, the thing off the top of my head is in team sports any, anytime you've got a place kicking situation mm. it's, it's like you're doing a conversion in rugby or something they have the ritual they go through um, but I, I can imagine I mean know visualization and all that stuff It is massively prioritized in um, the Olympic sports mm-hmm. um, especially in the throwing events and things like that Like, like they they're, they're heavily ritualized um, and I know it is in Olympic lifting as well. Like it,
0: I think, I think any power or strength sports. I mean, throw, yeah. throwing is a strength sport, but it's on the, it's on the, it's on the speed spectrum. Mm. You know, where we are on the power spectrum side of strength. Yeah. So, but the intent and intensity is exactly the same. They all are difficult feats of strength. Do you think that? Do you think that intent affects? Do you see that any times
1: where it, in, the intent affects how well the mechanics? Go, rather than rather than just the power in both of the in
0: both in both ways so yeah. um, if you're too hyper if you're too if you're too hyper aroused you can end up um, having worse worse technique um, people will end up doing some weird stuff when they have that their anxiety levels anxiety levels higher they panic a lot they're, one of their sequence they've one of their sequences that they're doing that they've panicked and it changes mm-hmm. the way they lift or they think it feels better if they change something right now when the best thing they can do is stay calm and follow what their training has done and then in the opposite on the opposite side of things um well for people who with without hype it's more to do with more to do with power but I think their intent, and intensity behind their ability to create stability, tension, and executing it well, rather than just getting up and down. Yeah. Okay. But I find it more so the technique is affected by people who are on the more um, anxiety side of the spectrum. If they don't calm down, they have to. They their technique generally falls out the window. Yeah.
1: So this would be something that end of the spectrum would be a, a, a significant issue at competition time right like yes. th- those people crumble when the pressure's on so you, yes. you, your goal is to completely remove
0: the pressure possible. so more train them in that condition um, oh, okay. so individuals who have that give them I'll give them more exposure of that coming into competition so so basically make them do
1: weekly kind of comps in training make sure people yeah. are watching
0: and normally normally normally, it does depend on the, the pop- population because a lot of the individuals who fall into that spectrum are also the same neural type that help that can handle higher loads right and so we get away with more max some max more maximal work and so we can put them in that stimulus um, of maximal loads and and a lot closer to competition as well Mm -hmm. um, to get them used to that environment and also to start fine-tuning their psychology so we'll do it and we'll notice that this was a bit off how do we improve that what are some of the things that they did what did i notice mm. and we can start to address address that so not just comp- getting ready for competitions not just getting ready for um just for the lift it's also getting your um, mental preparation throughout the competition and all the way up to the lift
1: yeah because the, the, envir- the environment is something to prepare for in itself because it, it's not it's not something that can easily be replicated in the training environment can it no. like yeah
0: they we have to teach them to understand that they can't control everything in their environment yeah so we have to expose them to things that are going to create some chaos and how do we keep them focused under that pressure
1: so how do, how do you how do you introduce chaos obviously so uh, you can
0: put them into a team training environment yeah where lifts um, lifts have to be done at a certain time and it's your turn you've got to be ready you know you can't choose when you're on the bar you have to follow the competition and it's the same thing goes with when we do team training we'll get them all to test we get them all to test together we'll try and replicate a competition environment as much as we can so having them all turn up at the same same time for testing night they have to work with other people on the same monolift or same right. bar and create a bit of a little bit of chaos within that and We'll see how they handle under pressure, and it gives us a bit of an idea about what they need to do and how they need to apply their psychology at a competition. And then, obviously, the competition itself can be different again, but this is also where people should, especially new athletes, should do more competitions within their first year. Right, okay. And not to take the competitions crazy, crazy seriously. They should focus on their competitions being practicing competitions and that's it. they can just improve on themselves, improve their lifting from competition to competition and enjoy it, then that's the first steps they need to take in terms of trying to become a really good powerlifter. No matter what the goal, if the goal, or in terms of taking up a powerlifting career, so if their goal wants to be I want to compete at the biggest competitions ever and they haven't started yet, the process is that. Essentially, yeah, get yeah, them yeah, competing yeah. Compute, a lot. Compete, compete. And actually get them to focus on just self-improvement. Because if they're just going to focus on the big end goal, then that is quite uh for someone who might be on that high end of anxiety spectrum can be um constantly disappointed from competition to competition we don't we can't have that because that's not going to create the psychology we need for someone who who needs to be elite we need someone who needs to be elite needs to know how to pace themselves for very long periods of time to go to take all the shit over extreme periods yes and how to manage it we've yeah we've
1: talked about that before that, that the kind of long-term thinking the process thinking rather than the the immediate kind of gratification side of it mm. do, do you find a lot of coaches think that way though like especially when it comes to taking athletes to com- competition in what way do, do you find that coaches encourage athletes their athletes to not worry about the result is that what you're seeing
0: or oh, everyone's ever there are some really good coaches out there and some not so much you can kind of pick out who who they are without saying names essentially for some coaches you can see that they worry about what maximum numbers they can hit on the platform, and mm-hmm. we can end up making stupid decisions for individuals who might not be used to that level of intensity. I'd always be conservative for someone who is higher in the spectrum of um, mm-hmm. anxiety to just focus on having a good having a good time, and generally, if they do, they'll end up performing better.
1: Yeah, because they need to kind of get get a comfort level with yeah. the competition and you got
0: yeah. some coaches who think that every single client needs a whiff of ammonia and slap at the back of the head you know i mean that is the stereotype if you asked a person on the
1: street what what, what a powerlifter's is like mm. they'll mention ammonia chalk screaming yeah <laughs> death metal like. but they're
0: not all they're not all like that mm. and again it's fine tuning the psychology for each one and me as a coach yeah. being uh, adaptable to many yeah. personalities yeah, and that is hard for some coaches because people skills is a big, big one, and I'm not particularly natural at pe- people skills, yeah. but it's something that I've studied a lot to try and help help my clients, and obviously just my own social skills.
1: But yeah, but you, I think it's easier for you because you treat it as a dimension to the problem that you're trying to fix, and yeah, that. Whereas I think a lot of people are discounting it as something that contributes
0: so, yeah, well, I'm never going to be natural in a, in a, in a social sh- situation mm. it is something I have actually read a lot and taught myself to do mm. so I actually use other parts of the brain to try and help with social interactions I'm never going to be good I'm always going to seem awkward and it's but I have a great understanding of or meaning behind those social mm. interactions. We've always seen people with quite natural social talent miss a lot of these cues. Yeah. They're more like uh, yeah. a chameleon in, 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 situa- in social situations yeah, yeah, yeah. that where, where they can draw a lot of attention to themselves because it gives them energy. But someone like myself, it does not. For training, I only need... I try not to take more than one client. Two clients sap me for training. Yeah, Yeah, I actually don't like to take clients before I train. i right, um, okay. rather work by myself. On those days, and on my rest days, is when I take all my clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, 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 it fries me. But I don't work with I don't work with too many people. A lot of my stuff's online now, so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think the last thing I would want to say is that to sum up, to sum this up, is that we all sit on the spectrum differently, and I have yeah. objectively measured the impact on it in the last year or two with Velocity. Velocity being the objective measure of neural drive. Mm. Again, I've seen up to, on both ends, I've seen people who've calmed down and increased up to ten, ten, fifteen um, at, at most twenty uh, percent in power output, simply wow. by, oh, shit.
1: Okay.
0: simply. Yeah, it's big. It's not just wow. small. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, in just a few weeks ago, we had one of our clients. She is on that anxiety side of the spectrum, and she was sitting on about point, point two three, on her deadlift and 0.23 meters per second yep. so every, 0.0, every 0.01 is roughly a one percent increase in performance in that in her final set she 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 had no one lifting around her she wasn't rushing the set because people needed to work in the bar mm. and she was a lot calmer and it went up to 0.43 so that was oh, a yeah. uh, that was 11 percent increase oh, in power yeah okay. 11 is f- Heaps.
1: That, that's massive. It's yeah. massive. Eleven yeah. percent. Yeah,
0: you think of that as eleven percent on your max, then that gives you the perspective. Yeah, if your max is same. max is one one fifty, it is now one. It is now potentially one sixty five. Which is huge. Yeah, huge. Training intent matters.